Merkel Media. I guess it's time to go back in time. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Time is but a stubborn illusion. I have a lot of memories of the past. People are time traveling within themselves. Time travel is possible. Welcome to Reloaded Money, everybody. We have the Disappearing Church of the Woods, episode 64, taking it way back in the time machine. And that's because this is an oldie, but a goodie. I talked to Seth on this episode. He talked about different things. But the thing that really stood out to me during this episode was the Disappearing Church of the Woods, where it appears and disappears right in front of you. I dig it. Where were you the first time you heard this episode? Okay, I reload it. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. And I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I saw three long bony fingers with like claws on the end, reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it and then disappear. It's almost like they're unzippering our reality. They stick their heads through and they look around and if it looks like it's the coast is clear, they step through the rest of the direction. If you take the head, you get the whole package. If you don't take the head off, then what happens is they disappear. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. But then I look over to my left, on the far side of the room, and there's Jack. And he's got blood on his face he looks at me and he just says one word oops I've been killing ETs longer than most people have careers I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster the show everybody you are listening to the confessionals a proud featured show of blogtalkradio.com i am your host tony merkel thanks for being here if you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show go ahead and shoot me an email 
My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Now, this week, we bring on Seth to the show, and Seth has a lot of different encounters that he'd like to share with us, but the one that really caught me and my ear is when he talked about being in the woods hunting, and he sees a church totally appear right before him. And he watches it for about 20 minutes, and then it disappears. Very fascinating show, and I'm excited to present it to you tonight. So hang in there with me, and we'll get right into it right after this. Okay, tonight I have a good guest coming on here. I got Seth. Seth, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Good, man. So you and I were just talking a little bit about some of the details that you emailed me about. And uh, you got a lot of different stuff to cover here tonight. So I hope everybody kind of buckles up and, you know, is in for a ride here. Just, you know, lean back, turn down the lights a little bit, you know, and just turn up the confessionals because you're in for a good treat tonight. Uh, let, let's start off here tonight with your haunted warehouse experience. Now, you said that you worked in this warehouse and you've had experiences. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, sir. All right. So, so why don't you just kind of walk us into, you know, what you've experienced while you were working there? Well, uh, I went to work at the warehouse in about 2005. Two, yeah, about 2005. Um, it's in downtown. Actually, it's if you look at a map downtown uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, it's actually a couple blocks from the, uh, the gallows that... Um, yeah, you know, there's the courthouse and where the hanging judge Parker, you know, presided and then there's gallows there where they used to, to hang. If anybody remembers the the uh, Clint Eastwood movie Hang 'em High? Um that's the Yeah. You know, he, he would always take them back to the Fort Smith. And so um but uh, I got a job working and I was working on it was really great. I was um trying to go trying to do college and um at time you know i was in the, the army reserves and so it just everything worked together the scheduling and everything worked out perfect it was a good job for me but um it's not just i mean it's it's an old warehouse building it was actually inside this warehouse they built huge refrigeration rooms and so they had hired and Basically, I have a little office um, that I would be in, and every 30 minutes, I would kind of get out and kind of walk the perimeter um, and check the gauges on, in different rooms to, and also kind of be the uh, the nose looking for an ammonia leak, <laughs> you know, in case one broke out. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's only one way if you know there's a leak. <laughs> get out of there quick and um it was one of it was an area of town that literally used to be the red light district as a matter of fact it's uh next to the visitor center um which openly used to be a cat house i mean they're very open you go in there's a little museum and they talked about like the coins and all that and how it all worked but 
I got hurt on and, uh, you know, once work got, once the workers got off, I would be the only one in, you know, on site. And, you know, probably a couple of weeks in, I'd notice that, you know, there was like, yeah, after I said the office set up, there was office I was in and then there was a, an office off of that. And so I would notice that like, cause you know, be headphones, listen to music, or I'd be reading or whatever between my little 30 minute walks. But that off, that office door would open and close. You know, like I would leave to do my check and that door would be closed. Well, when I come back, it'd be open. And, uh, you know, I just kept thinking like, yeah, this is weird. And, uh, but I'm not going to jump to conclusions and say, oh, you know, it's, it's ghosts or it's this or it's that. But, uh, what really got my attention was I walked into a room and there's loud machinery. So you have to put on earmuffs. I walked in and I was writing down, uh, gauge readings and I felt like a hand get put on you know, my shoulder and kind of pull like somebody's getting my attention every now and then. Um, cause there's enough stuff was computerized that there's a maintenance technician that would periodically come out because the computer would alert him and he'd come out and, check to see what the problem was so i thought that he was only that he came in and he was just getting my attention so you know very distinctly felt the hand you know pull on me and i turned around expecting to see the maintenance guy and there's nobody there and i was like what uh i mean the door to the room was locked it was a, a key lock and I'm like, oh my gosh so I finished checks and uh, that's when I started paying a lot more attention. And just, I said that door would be open and closed. There is a big, there's a hallway outside the, the office and there was a big window um, where I could see out into the hall and, and um, was in there. And I heard running footsteps come down the hall. And so I stood up and looked because there shouldn't be anybody in here. And the sound of the footsteps came running by that window, but nobody was there. I mean, so I came out in the hall and the foot, I mean, basically followed these footsteps and they ran around a couple corners and then through what was now a wall, but used, there used to be a doorway there. And then, um, uh, let's see what, um, Another time I was in there and felt a hand grab my ankle. It didn't pull. It just distinctly felt somebody kind of grab my ankle. And that one kind of really freaked because it's initial, like you're walking, you feel the hand and it's like, is somebody trying to like trip me or, but again, as it happened, I got um, a couple friends, um, hired on there doing the same job, you know, we would relieve each other and I'd warn them. And I would say, look, yeah, I've been, I've been touched, but nothing is seems to be hurting me or attempting to hurt me. I said, so don't panic. And, uh, they would talk about the same thing. Uh, there's motion sensors that would go off and the security, um, uh, there, they'd be inside the refrigeration. And 
yeah, the the security company would call, hey, we have a motion sensor. Can you please go in there? So I have to don on the freezer gear and go walk through. And it would be an empty room, but something was setting off the motion sensors in there. And it's just, but um, it got to the point where I just got used to it. Uh, I got used to, you know, doors opening and closing, got used to out here thumping and bumping inside the uh, the freezers, it's, which would sound like somebody's moving around in there, moving boxes around. And again, sensors would go off. I'd go in, nothing's moved. And it would just, I, I got used to it, but it kind of peaked. Um, there is, um, there's a rail car, and actually the workers hadn't left this particular night. There's a rail car full of dry ice that was brought down and it was up against the building and you know how dry ice does that little fog stuff right yeah it um well it was coming out and it was you know spreading out over this little section of track alongside the warehouse and um it was spreading out but as i was walking uh hitting my door you know going indoors and stuff i'd come you know I noticed that um, it started to like come together. So I kind of stopped and just watched. And it literally, it started spiraling up. And, you know, again, I just kind of stood there and watched it. And it it formed a shape of a woman wearing like a Victorian-style dress. And all I could think of was, uh, you know, I was I was kind of the, the starving college student, I didn't really have the, you know, family supporting me. So, I mean, literally, you know, it's like I was scraping by. And so I didn't have, you know, which I don't even think they had cell phones with, you know, pictures on it. But it was one of those, you know, wasn't carrying a lot of high-tech stuff to get evidence of it. So I can think of it was like, I wish I had a camera or something to snap a picture of this. And... You know, went into my next door and made my checks and then came out and the the dry ice fog stuff was back, you know, spr- you know, doing its normal thing and spreading out over the tracks. Wow. And I mean, it was just, it was active. I mean, you couldn't go. Uh, there was like, I would talk to the other guards because periodically, you know, we would, Usually come on, uh, you'd be there probably about 30 minutes uh, as, you know, my first 30 minutes would be the last guy, the guy that I'm replacing his last 30 minutes. And so most would talk about it, you know, just their experiences. Um, you know, when no one grabbed, someone saw it looked like something in the dark in the hallway, like come running at them, which they freaked out and took off i mean like i think they i think if i remember correct it's been a few years i think they called the boss and said hey i'm sick i'm going home which <laughs> is you know freaked <laughs> them out but there was one old man that just swore up and down he's like nope nothing strange going on all right hmm but so this was a common thing amongst everybody you guys all talked about your experiences together Yes, sir. 
Okay. So, I mean, it's not like you were the only one. Like, it's not like you were being targeted per se. It was just the whole place was active and everybody was having these experiences, except for the old guy who didn't want to admit it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when you saw the the fog spiral up into the woman in a Victorian dress, uh, you said you went and finished your checks, and when you came back out, it was gone, right? Right. Dude, how did you have the guts to just keep working, man? Because like, <laughs> if I saw that, I would be freaking out, man. Was that was that your first time seeing an apparition of an actual person? That that was my first time. Yes, yeah, there. Um, that was my first time seeing an apparition there. Um, but by then, like I said, I'd been grabbed. I'd heard, you know, enough noises. I just, like I said, I really it came to the conclusion, whatever, you know, whatever it or they are, they're not out to hurt me or they can't hurt me. So, yeah, because I mean, that, you did say that earlier. It seems like the more time you spent in there, the more you kind of got numb to the whole idea of what was going on around you. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's kind of like I I used to have a job where I I used to be a parking enforcement officer for a local city around here. And I'll tell you, like, before I went to work every day, I would be praying that I'd be able to punch out at the end of the day because it was a dangerous job. Like, I've had guns pulled on me and things like that. And uh, I eventually got just numb to the whole idea of what I was doing from a day-to-day basis where like I would, I would say my prayer before I started work kind of thing. But once I got out there, it was just old hat. Like you just didn't really realize the dangers of what the job was. And uh, I, I imagine it's probably the same thing that you, which you had, you know, it's just after a while, it's just, it's old hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. I mean, exactly. It's just same old, same old. It's, that my only regret honestly is that I didn't have some sort of video camera or something, you know, like GoPro wasn't around. Then. <laughs> you know, like if it had been around, I could have, yeah. you know, carried it with me to work and tried to document some of this stuff. But. Yeah, absolutely. Now you said you were grabbed twice, right? Right. Now, how'd you feel when that happened, man? Like when you actually feel something grabbing you and you realize that, there's nothing there. Like what's, what does your gut feel like? Like what was going on in your mind and your gut? Like, were you terrified or were you just like, Oh, there's that entity. It's being a jokester again. I was startled. Um, I mean, truly startled, especially the first time, you know, the, the hand on the shoulder. Cause I was ex- fully expecting the, the maintenance guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second time it was more of, um, again, startled, but more that it, it kind of put me a little more on guard the second time, because like I said, my ankle, it, I didn't feel any tugging on my ankle. I just felt distinctly the hand grab my ankle and it was just like, you know, it's almost then it's like, all right, has it, is, am I dealing with something that's trying to cross the line and now hurt me or something? But it's just, man. It's, I don't, I mean, it's one of those, man, there's, there's a little bit of fear there, but I just, like, I'm, I'm just stubborn and I've got a job to do and I'm going to do it. You know, I need this job to buy my ramen noodles, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, I can understand that, man. I mean, bottom line is you need to do a job and you're going to do it. Uh, and you just got to deal with the environment you're given. So I totally get that. Now, this warehouse that you were in, now you were said in the beginning kind of like how old it was and everything. Do you know what the warehouse was originally used for? Uh, not off the top of my head. I mean, you could tell by the design. It, I mean, it was an older warehouse. Uh, but it was literally built where the red light district um, used to be. And so literally, you know, you I mean, if gone like back a hundred years, there have been a bunch of whorehouses there and just, yeah, or cat houses or whatever they call them. I mean, just, and they're, they're very open. Uh, like, so you go to the, uh, cause I went, I've gone to the visitor museum cause I'm a history nut. I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy history, but, um, you would. Um, go in there and they, there's like some old pictures on the wall of about that, you know, kind of where that area was at. And there was literally just row after row of, you know, cat houses. So that area is a pretty active area. I mean, it's like as far as marshals and back when Oklahoma was Indian territory slash outlaw territory, which is, uh, you know, Fort Smith was a, you know, you know, historically was a pretty active area. And even uh, uh, during the Civil War, there was uh, several, like, Civil War battles fought around that area, too. And so the forts, I mean, the, the, um, I remember correct, there for a while, the, and I could be wrong, but I think there for a while, like, Union forces captured Fort Smith, and then the uh, but the Confederates still had the uh, Oklahoma side, and so there for a while they would their artillery would just fire at each other and just kind of duels, which also uh, just down the uh, the river because um, again a few blocks there is an island out there where um, it was illegal in the state in that area to have duels, but, uh, fit, like people would go out and have, you know, pistol duels and, you know, over wow. issues and would kill each other out on this Island. I mean, it was just, it was, it was a pretty, pretty active area. The, uh, just a lot of history there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely sounds like, it, and it kind of makes sense with everything, uh, that you're experiencing, and especially like the grabbing, it makes you wonder. I mean, if you're in the red light districts and stuff, I mean, it just makes you wonder what was grabbing you. Was it, you know, uh, an, <laughs> an entity of, yeah. you know, an old hooker <laughs> grabbing you saying, Hey buddy, you know, <laughs> like you look good in your uniform, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just, um, it just makes you wonder, you know, what you were dealing with, but, uh, it's definitely interesting stuff, man. Uh, that you had going on there. Uh, I want to move on a little bit here, if that's okay with you. I mean, uh, you have some that's really nice. uh, interesting topics to cover. Some uh, I've obviously heard before, but some of them I have not. And I, I kind of want to dive into this uh, medieval church that you wrote me about first off, because uh, when I read that in the email, I thought it was just it, it, it grabbed me, man. I was just like, what is this about? So uh, you're in the woods, you're hunting, and you see 
this church, right? So, I mean, walk us into what happened. Okay, there's a there's a spot that I like to hunt, and I still like to hunt. And, you know, I go out there. Um, I'm not always successful, <laughs> but it's just really beautiful. It's pretty. And, uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of deer, and I've seen a few hogs in that area as well. And uh, to basically, I'm sitting up on a point on this hill, and I'm looking down a saddle, which for those that don't know, if you have a, a two hills and there's kind of a ridge line that connects them, but it kind of dips down, that's called a saddle. So, but um, at the time, the thunder, there wasn't like the, the brush growth wasn't quite as thick, plus two. Um, it was fall, a lot of foliage had fallen, and so I could see pretty far down it. And so I'm sitting up on a, a stand, and um, actually my stand was like this big rock that's out there. I mean, it's freaking huge, but I was sitting up there, and I was watching down it, and um, just, I was 17 years old, just sitting there, just, you know, enjoying the afternoon. It's kind of afternoon, and uh, there's... I describe it as like a small uh, medieval church based off of kind of the way it looked. Basically, it appeared in front of me. It was about 60 yards down, and it was on this saddle. And what threw me, a lot of it threw me, but it was like physically, it where it was that structurally, it shouldn't have been there. And... Yeah, I sat there and looked at it, and I could see uh, details. I mean, it was made of stone. It was like a gray stone. Um, had windows that kind of uh, squared up down at the bottom, but they kind of, as they went up a little bit, they kind of arched uh, up into a, uh, I call it like a rounded triangle type. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, you know, and I could see the windows on it. Um I want to say, because there were trees there, um, so I want to say that there was probably at least eight, because I, was, I wasn't looking at it dead on. It was almost like catty corner. I could see the front of it, but I could see the side real clear. And it appeared, and um, I'm looking at it. The, uh, it had about, I want, to, I want to say probably about eight windows. I mean, I'm just kind of guessing because there were some trees and stuff in the way on that one side. And, I mean, I could see detail, even from where I was at, because it seemed to be pretty solidly built. I could see, could tell some detail on the rocks. And um, the uh, I could the light was coming in enough. I could actually see a little bit inside of the building. And, I mean, I just sat there, Tony, I just sat there and looked at it. I mean, I had my 30-30. I really wasn't sure about it, um, but it was one of those cases of like, it's weird, but kind of really, and there's part of me that was indecisive about what to do, and then there's part of me that was just kind of, am I really seeing this? I mean, I rubbed my eyes, I kind of, you know, pinched myself, like, all right, you know, I'm, a, I'm seeing this, you know, I kind of looked away, looked back, okay, it's still there, <laughs> and, uh 
basically sat there and watched to see if some, you know, something would come out of it, uh, or someone would come out of it. To, but there's no noise in it, so I know there's nothing in there to make me think. I didn't see anything moving inside from, you know, from the angle, you know, looking into the building. But I could just, it was just, in in some ways, it seemed unreal. But uh, after looking at it for about 20 minutes, I heard some rustling off to the left of me. And I looked because also I hadn't forgotten why I was there. <laughs> you know, you know, every time, I mean, anybody's done any hunting, if you hear some kind of rustling or some, some footsteps off to the left, you know, you're deep down, you're hoping it's like Buckzilla or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. so looked off towards the noise and uh, didn't see anything. And then I looked back down and the church was gone. And, uh, yeah, I went ahead and stayed up, stayed up there until it got dark and I left and I came back the next day and I came back a little bit early and actually walked down to, um, you know, where, you know, where I saw it and kind of looked at the ground and the train and then you have, Really just, uh, the, I think part of me was wondering, you know, is there something physically left over here, like a sign that it's there and didn't see anything. So went back up and got, got back on, on my stand there. And then later on that day, uh, I had a buck come by and, you know, the classic hunter mistake, uh, got excited. You know, oh boy, cause nice rack, man. Tony was a nice rack, and I jerked the trigger, shot over its back, and it took off running down the hill. But, uh, but like I said, that man at church, I, I talked to my talked to my dad and talked to my grandpa about it, and they didn't really have an answer for me. I mean, especially my grandpa. I think he believed me. My dad probably wasn't sure then my grandpa believed me but um they they didn't have any explanation didn't offer anything um it was uh years later um we're talking about like old as with some people and we're talking about old stories and legends about this area and uh somewhat there's a story about a hunter being out in the woods and uh heard a noise and he saw uh, a Native American with, with a musket. They said he kind of dressed up in really old guard, kind of looking at him and said, then the, this Native stepped off behind this rock and so the hunter went up there and said, you know, the Native wasn't there, there was no sign and there was no way that that Native could have you know, gotten away without the hunter seeing it. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. It's one of those, I keep, you know, every now and then I come back to it and I, mentally and I just think about it and think about what I saw and scratch my head and I don't know. So, all right, so when you saw this thing, you said that, it was sitting in an area where it doesn't make sense. Like it, it shouldn't be able to, you know, 
be built. When you were looking right. at it, did it seem like it was uh, like very solidly sitting where it was, you know, where, where you were seeing it, you know, in the moment when you were looking at this thing, when you were looking at it, did it look like it was, you know, solidly built where it was sitting? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it looked solid. It looked settled. I mean, from where, where is that? It looked like there was, uh, you know, I mean, it was on flat ground, which, you know, it shouldn't have been, but I mean, it looked solid. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, it, I find this really fascinating. Now, when you were sitting in your tree stand, did you see this thing up here right before your eyes or was it something like, you look over to your left and when you look back to your right, all of a sudden it's there. I, it, for lack of a better term, it's like it material. It wasn't instant, but it wasn't real slow either. It was almost like a, a medium, like it, like, you know, I'm looking down at a draw, looking at empty, you know, or, you know, through trees and all that. And then like, it started to appear and like, it took about a couple seconds. I mean, it, and then it was there and it was solid. Okay. So uh, f- forgive me for my lack of imagination here, but in your classical, you know, ghost movie and you start seeing something appear before your eyes and it takes like two, three seconds, but you see this figure or image slowly appearing and all of a sudden, you know, the ghost is there and it looks like a real person. Is that kind of how the same, the same thing that this happened? Like it was like a slow appearance, like it just kind of materialized in front of you. That's, that's how it happened. Like I said, it, it took, I mean, literally about two, three seconds. I mean, it, but it appeared. And I mean, I, I remember there was even a moment of where I was just, I mean, I think I, I, I literally said, like what the, I mean, as I'm looking at and the trees and stuff disappearing behind it, I mean, and suddenly I'm, in, I'm seeing the rock and, and just, it appeared <laughs> and I couldn't see further, you know, I couldn't see past it. So, so how far were you from any buildings whatsoever? Now you're out there hunting. Uh, like, like how far were you from like, maybe say the, the closest town with any significant buildings? I'm not, I, you know, if there's a shack here, here or there, I, I obviously that's not what I'm thinking of, but right. you know, how, how think, far distance wise were you from any real right. buildings? Um, probably as the crow flies, I was probably about, I mean, literally as the crow flying, I was probably about three quarters of a mile. Cause I wasn't that far. Uh, from the boundaries of the state park. And so, yeah, three quarters of a mile to a mile, probably, as the crow flies. Okay. Well, let's just take a break right now, and when we come back, we'll jump right back into it, Seth. So just hang in there with me. Mysteries is a podcast where two men, Ben Bateski and John Nafziger, explore history's most upsetting mysteries while getting extremely drunk off a variety of alcohols. Drunk Mysteries is a podcast, and it wants you to listen to it while your brave and handsome hosts 
explore mysteries so disturbing and severe that you may question your reality. Join us at Drunk Mysteries. So, I mean, with, with this whole thing, I mean, you've had a long time to think about this, uh, 20 plus years, uh, and or at least almost 20 years, I should say. But with your time thinking about this, you know, have you ever come up with any kind of idea or theories on how this was possible? I mean, like people see, you know, hauntings where like a ghost appears in mm-hmm. front of them. People see UFOs. Uh, and I know we'll get to the, your, your, you have a UFO encounter too, right. but, uh, like, you don't hear people say that buildings appear right in front of them out in the middle of the woods. Like, like that's a very rare thing. And in fact, I've never talked to anybody who's seen something like you have. And how do you wrap your mind around that after the last almost 20 years of this experience in your mind? The, the closest theory I've come up with, and I base it off of something that, that happened to me when I was real young. Um, is it's like um again um, as i told you before sorry yeah i i am a christian I, I i believe there's a god and i believe you know and so when i think about the scope of you know eternity and god um i think that you know it's almost like god and spiritually it's almost like it's outside of timeline and and so so then, you know, like if you were to take like a, um, a a sheet or or something and lay it down from one end to another and stand separate, you know, there there'd be a timeline on the sheet, but you're separate from that timeline. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of how I think with with God and and, um, and I know there would probably be people who disagree with me out there, and that's fine. This is just what I think. That, anyways. And so I think at times that maybe it's not even like paper, it's almost like waves or something. Maybe, maybe two points, kind of like two distinct different points of times, like the sheet or maybe waves or whatever kind of roll up and they get close. And it's almost like, you know, I can, we can see details on that sheet and possibly they can see details on our sheet. And, I've read a lot of stories about um, sailors, like way back when, you know, on these old sailing ships, they would talk about in the mist. They would look on a shore, shoreline, and they would see buildings or outlines or people, or in some cases, they'd even see lights. And then, um, and you talk to people today, and they talk about seeing in the mist old, you know, sailing vessels. You know, and so I'm just, right. that's my thing. And so then, but then that's for me in the case of the church, that opens like a, and I'm calling a church. It may not be a church, but you know, it, I'm calling, um, then it opens up a, okay, if I'm looking at a different time, because that was an older structure than what used to be here. And then also why was, you know, terrain wise, 
what happened to the change of terrain here. But sometimes all that does is kind of lead me into more questions and I don't think I'm ever going to get an answer on it. I would say probably not, but, uh, you know, cause that's what I was thinking too. I mean, the terrain that you saw this, you know, doesn't really typically hold any kind of structure or the idea of any kind of structures being there at one time. So, I mean, not only are you possibly witnessing some kind of time lapse, uh, but you're also witnessing maybe a time lapse that has actually moved physical locations, you know, like, mm-hmm. like did the earth, did, are, are things different than they were back then? So like physically, like geographically, w- was that saddle there or was it not there? You know, like, and, and how is that even possible? Because if you see a church building that's, that's, that's built, that's relatively new in the grand scheme of time, and we would have had record document of geographical dramatic changes if that was the case, you know? Right. But on that note, um, um, have you ever heard of Rockwall, Texas? I mean, it's, it's a town, it's a place. It's outside of Dallas? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, well, Google it in your time. Um, but essentially, underground, I forget how many feet, there, there is a rock wall. And um, if memory serves, it's been a while since I've read up or anything on it. But it's a, it's underground. It's in a square shape. It's they've determined how many feet or meters tall it is. I mean, it's a thick rock wall. And it's really funny because you watch some um, experts try to explain how it would naturally appear there, but it's like in a definite man-made shape. But it's like all underground now. And so it kind of raises a question of what used to be there and, and why and who built a wall and what were they trying to keep out or what were they trying to keep in? And so I say that to, to, to say this, I mean, you know, they, they had no clue about that until somebody was digging down and found this. And so I mean, as old as the earth is, I mean, in truth, I mean, I don't know, you know, four or five, 6,000 years ago, what, what all was going on here. So. Right. And, you know, I'm quickly looking at this right now as we're, as you're talking about it. Uh, do you know how deep this rock wall goes? Like, like underground, like, first of all, I guess, you know, how deep, but also how big is this thing? Do you, do you know how big they say it is? Not off the top of my head, but if I uh, if I remember correct, it's it's been a few years, and literally I've had a deployment <laughs> since I've looked it up. Uh, my underst- uh, understanding it's big enough to uh, circle uh, the town of Rockwall very easily. So I mean, think of like a city size. Wow. So. Okay. I find it really interesting because whenever you find these ancient, and I'll just call it an ancient structure because we don't know what else to call it, I guess. But I mean, you find these these walls that are you know underground, and it, we don't know where it came from, but clearly it was built by someone or something. I mean, it, it does. It, it shows that there was some some actual civilization here 
uh, in, in our long time past. And I'd be very interested to hear, you know, what the, the idea is about how old this structure is. I mean, is it old enough to be from the Native Americans or does it date back before that? Uh, because, you know, like we have the stories of the Native Americans uh, fighting these giants in our country. And so, like, it makes you wonder, you know, were, is this something to do with the giants that were here at one time? You know, because how big are these walls? Because, I mean, you know, it makes you wonder, like, the Native Americans, you know, they didn't build these kind of structures. As far as I know, they didn't build big structures like that. They, they, they were, you know, more simplistic, I, I, from what I understand, than that. And so the idea of Native Americans building such a big wall, it, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but I could be totally wrong on that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then also there's, I mean, I, I personally believe, um, you know, based off, you know, stuff I've read that, you know, the, there was probably trade, you know, thousand years ago, easy, 2000 years there, there was trade here because, uh, like they were, t- they were testing. Uh, they tested the hair on Egyptian mummies, and they came up positive for marijuana. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just they were rolling doobies time, back then. Yeah, at that time, it was only growing over here, and they. I mean, you just every now and then they'll talk about finding ancient, you know, ancient pots, you know, from a shipwreck off the coast. The coolest thing I found. Um, I found this again, my last deployment, um, cause I was in Iraq and when we weren't running missions, um, I was, had a wife and a kid at home. <laughs> so really tight budget. So I spent a lot of time just, you know, searching around online or I read Gosh, I read a ton of books. <laughs> I was over there too, but I came across a story about a uh, monk and, it, um, he lived something like he lived in the, jungles in South America and uh, Native American or the natives would that he was uh, ministering to would bring him treasure and he was truly a monk and I, he knew what it was worth on the outside world but he just he put it in the back room it was dedicated to his mission a simple life and there's there's pictures of him like he's an he's an old man and he's in this room with, um, you know, these guys and they're taking a picture and he's showing them, I mean, there's like tall, like silver statues, but he's showing different things. But I swear this like relic he's looking, he's holding was something from Babylon. I mean, it was like the man, the lion head, it literally looked like something from Babylon. And, you know, it was something that you don't, you know, you don't associate with, um, you know, central South America, you know, as far as ancient, but like when the monk died, the natives came in and they hid, like they took all of it and they hid it because I, their explanation when officials came in to, you know, steal it pretty much, um, was that belongs to him. It's not yours and he didn't give it to you. So, you know, you're never going to get it. And so, but I'll, what I'll do is, uh, I'll dig around and see if I can find it. And if I can remember what the monk's name and I'll, I'll send you the picture of that article, but I'm just convinced that there, there's been, I mean, trade (laughs) 
between this side of the Atlantic with the other side. Yeah, you know, and it's not something that I dismiss at all. I mean, I definitely think that's possible. Um, and like I mentioned earlier about the whole Giants thing, like uh, I don't think Giants originated here. I think that they came from another land and they came here. So uh, how'd that happen and when did it happen? Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. you can go into all these different theories on that and stuff. But anyways, kind of re- rewinding here back to your experience. Uh, by the way, that was just fascinating stuff. I, when you told me about the rock wall, I looked it up and I'm going to be uh, digging into that a little bit later on tonight. But um, so you're talking about this church that appears in the middle of nowhere. Now you said it was like an older structure. Did, was it like, like a cathedral or was it like more like a, like an old town church with a steeple? Yeah. It, it looked like something from a, uh, it, it didn't have, it actually didn't have a steeple. Um, but like the, from the shape of the windows and the shape of the structure, it seemed, it seemed like one common room. Um, and it would have been rectangular shape. Um, the, the roof, I want to say it was like a thatched roof. I mean, it looked old <laughs> where I was sitting. Um, but with the design of the windows and stuff, I could see where it's well ventilated. Um, it seemed like something that you would find maybe in like a, a medieval village, you know, where not that many people are going to be in there, but you know, they wanted to. I guess something substantial, you know, something solid built out of stone, but there, there wasn't a, there wasn't actually a steeple on it, but you know, like with the shape of the windows and everything, that's kind of what I associate it with as a church. But okay. I mean, to be honest, I'm not a hundred percent sure it was a church. <laughs> no. Yeah, I get it. I mean, like you said that earlier and stuff, I mean, it's just kind of the closest thing you could describe it to. Uh, you know, I guess one of my la- I guess I could, I guess my last question with this is, you know, how long were you looking at this thing? Now you described it in good detail, so I mean, you must have had some time looking at it, uh, and then you just said that you kind of looked away, and when you looked back, it was gone, so you didn't see it dissipate. Uh, but how long did you actually look at this thing? Was it sitting there? About twenty minutes, because I had a wristwatch with me, Tony. I looked at thing is, like twenty one. 20, 21 minutes, something like that. I mean, wow. Now in that 20 or 21 minutes that you were watching this thing, did it ever cross your mind? Did you ever get the, the urge to climb down and go check this thing out? It did cross my mind, especially like 10 minutes into it. But yeah. And I had, I had my 30, I mean, I had a 30, 30 with me. So I mean, it's like, but it was just one of those cases of if I go down there and touch it or step into it, you know, I think even, you know, it's just in the back of my mind, like, and it disappears or goes wherever it comes from. Is it going to take me with it? <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. Like a time traveling church. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's just like, wow. I just, you know, like I'm, like I'm comfortable, I got a good advantage. If something bad comes out of it, I can plug it from this distance. <laughs> but I'll just sit back and watch it, see what happens. Yeah, man, that that's just wow. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Now, I mean, if it was me, 
I mean, I can't say for sure what I would do, but God, I think the curiosity would kill me. And I think I would just, I would have to get closer at least. I mean, cautiously, but my Lord, I mean, that's just insane stuff, man. I, I, Thank you for sharing that because <laughs> when you sent that to me in the email, I was like, what the heck? That's crazy. So um, you're in the woods and you're, you're hunting. You see the, the church. Uh, now, since we're in the woods, is that where you saw the Bigfoot activity? Um, I, I saw the Bigfoot activity, you know, in, in the woods, actually in, in this general area. Um, but it wasn't in that because um my first um you know cross with with what i believe i really do believe it was a bigfoot was uh was it was when i was actually 16 is uh and actually no i probably i was just fixing to turn 16 because i didn't have my license yet but um you know lived in the state park and i would go for a walk every night because i was homeschooled and we lived up in this state park. You know, my parents got a wonderful job, but there was nothing for me to do. And so every night I'd go for a walk. I'd pray a little bit, but mainly just walk, get out of the house because, like I told you before, you know, there was only one TV in the house, and uh, my dad had control of the remote. Yeah. Oh, and. So what else am I going to do? I'm going to go out and go for a walk at night, you know, just kill time and get a little exercise. But, um, and actually my parents had a, a, a Cocker Spaniel. And so his name was Boomer. My dad's a Sooners fan. And so I would take Boomer, you know, on a leash because, uh, you know, Boomer, the, the wonder dog would take off running after every varmint. And I just did not want I learned early on, keep him on a leash or I'm going to be chasing him through the woods, trying to get him back. <laughs> and so, uh, I was walking along and there is a, uh, day use only road on this loop that I'd walk. And I had, by this point, I was so used to walking and comfortable enough out in the woods that, um, literally I, I could walk it without a flashlight and be fine. But I had this uh, really those small mag lights but with the, the old mag lights um you know what an led it was like the old bulb and the battery is real weak i mean it barely lit up you know boomer when he was at my feet but um i brought it kind of as a as an just in case you know i needed to potentially try to light something up but you know I was walking, we cut down this day-use-only road. Now, the locals call this area Outlaw Crossing. And that's because there's a low spot, and uh, there's a trail that cuts up through the state park. And the outlaws across there, across the river there, there's uh, stone steps carved into the mountain. And the legend is actually the conquistadors uh, carved or had the steps carved by uh, Indians they enslaved or tried to enslave. It didn't work out real well for them. But, uh, so the outlaws would ride their horses down this ridge. You know, there's this little, this ridge up above and they'd ride down these stone steps and they'd cross the river there. And so there was a tree 
And it's kind of funny because, you know, the dog would piss on the tree and then I would also, you know, kind of would stop if I had to pee. I would, you know, take a piss there. And the dog, I mean, that was just our, I swear, the nightly routine. It's kind of funny in hindsight. <laughs> but um, uh, the dog comes up to the tree and he starts acting real weird. And like almost like excited, but nervous. And so, I mean, I'm shining the light down at Boomer. I'm like, Boomer, what is the deal? What's going on? And then um, heard a noise. And it was off to my right. And I shined over and lit up a pair of red eyes. Now, I was on a little bit of a rise above the road. And so I think it was like a foot and a half drop to the road. And where the eyes were at, it actually dropped down a little bit more. And so, but the eyes were taller than me. And so it had to be like eight, eight and a half feet tall. I mean, lit up the eyes. And when the light hit the eyes, it slowly backed up. I mean, the light was so weak. All I was seeing was eyes. But it it slowly backed up. And it turned around. And I could tell it it walked off. And at the time, I really wasn't sure. And so I was just like, Boomer, we're just going to have to hit this tree later, buddy. We're we're going. We're calling it night. And so we... We didn't run, but we we walked, uh, walked. I mean, straight back out. So we didn't finish our loop. And I told my told my family. I said, "Yeah, saw some red eyes out there." And my dad said, "Well, you know, it could could have been a rat or something." I, I think he thought like I meant a shine red eyes kind of low to the ground. I didn't really tell him how tall it was. And so, at the time, I really wasn't sure. And then it wasn't until um, well, I was, yeah, several years later, I was at a cabin, and uh, some people had had uh, or the cabin owners had paid me uh, to kind of cut down some brush and stuff, and so where the cabin can be seen from the road. And we're talking like a two-day project. Got there with a chainsaw, cutting it low, and we call it what I call loppers, just cutting everything low, and then having to set fire um, and, you know, pile it up and, and just burn it down. Uh, there's enough cabins around there that, and I'm just um, nervous enough about fire that if I get a fire going, I'm not leaving until it, the fire burns down. And so, um, especially with those cabins, like, I don't want, you know, a small fire breaks out and I'm, you know, a couple million in debt because, you know, X amount of cabins burnt out in this area because. Right. And so, um, I was out there. I had, uh, at a friend's, uh, uh, he had a 12 gauge shotgun with a pistol grip. Now he had, uh, loaned it to me to actually do some work on and, um, it was kind of in rough shape and kind of got, got it cleaned up. And he, uh, anyways, all I had in it was, cause I was, the worst thing I was expecting was snakes. 
And uh, anyways, went out there and, uh, you know, fire's burning and it's starting to burn down low. There's a creek going behind the cabin. And all I had was like one of those big gulp cups. And so I walked down to the cabin and I'm scooping up water and I'm starting to soak the area around where the fire was burning. And uh, mentally cussing myself because I did not mean to be out there so late. Um, so I didn't have a flashlight with me. And also wishing I'd had a broad of water hose <laughs> so I could have made this job a lot easier. As I'm going back down to this cabin, or back to this creek behind this cabin, um, probably after a few minutes of doing that, there was this smell that came wafting down um, from the uh, cabin, or not the cabin, from up up uh, behind the other cabin next to us, but it was like upstream. And it was a horrible smell, but I'd been kind of having the feeling that I was being watched and nobody was staying in these cabins. And, um, but I've been out in the woods enough. I know that, you know, like, Hey, there's always some critter or, you know, raccoon, something's watching me. So, but, um, when that smell hit, it kind of, it's like almost gave me a direction. I started kind of looking off, you know, towards that direction, but I just kept, scoop of water and back and forth. Well, it started making me nervous enough that I walked over and I, um, my truck was parked over kind of in the, the start of the driveway of the cabin. And I went ahead and turned it on, got it going and, uh, turned on the headlights. So it kind of clearly light up my path to the creek. Now it's still dark by the creek, but I could still kind of see my light or my path. After doing that, the, the smell went away. Um, so I just kind of shrugged it off. Finished thoroughly soaking the area around this uh, where this fire was at. And uh, I think I went ahead and shut off the truck. So I didn't need the, the lights um, on anymore. But I had uh, left that shotgun in the uh, back bed of my truck. And I was kind of Leaned up against the, you know, leaned up against my tailgate, uh, looking at the fire, just kind of mentally debating on when I was going to leave that area. And uh, across the road behind me, I very clearly heard like a stick snapping, and it wasn't like a small little twig. It was like a pretty good thick stick, clean snap. And it scared the snot out of me. <laughs> and I jumped and out of reflex, I grabbed that, that 12 gauge shotgun and uh, chambered around. And I was just looking off in the dark, darkness facing the road. And that's when it's like two and two kind <laughs> of starts coming together. I'm like, okay, that's, uh, there was a smell. You <laughs> have this feeling being watched. And something just broke. It sounded like, I mean, it almost like intentionally snapped uh, right across the road. So I'm like, that's why I was thinking like, might be a, might be a Bigfoot here. And then it's like realizing, okay, I, granted I have a shotgun, but I have 
you know, I was preparing for, you know, freaking snakes. So all I've got is, you know, all I'm going to do if I shoot it, if I get attacked, all I'm going to do is just, maybe there might be blood for the dog to trail, you know, trail it. But I mean, all this was going through my mind, but it's like, this ain't going to do nothing except piss it off. But I just kind of stood there and just kind of kept scanning the darkness. I didn't hear any steps or anything like that. But after a, about a minute or two, because you'd have to understand that, because like basically I was looking into the woods, which is on this road, but very uh, short, shortly after you like step into those woods, it starts to go uphill. And then I heard further up the hill a very loud, like someone took like a small tree and clean, I mean, snap or a big limb and it's a huge crunch snap. I mean, just real loud, real distinct. And, um, you know, but there's no crashing of it hitting the ground. Like you would expect a, a limb that big to fall, you'd expect to hear it fall and hit the ground. Nothing. It was just real loud crunch. But it was further up the hill, and I got a sense. It's almost like it was just letting me know that it's moving away. And at that point, I'm like, this fire has burned down enough. I think I'm going to go ahead and go. <laughs> yeah. So I left. But after that, that's when I actually kind of. You know, just kind of two and two, I got to think about my previous experience about the red eyes and about the heights. And, you know, it was just like, I'm willing to bet it's a Bigfoot, you know. And I've got a, I've got a friend that's really big into it. So, I mean, I texted him. I said, dude, you're not going to believe what happened. And he, uh, he goes, dude, I, and he came back. I'm telling you. He says, you, that, that was a Bigfoot. But... You also want to talk about the most awful stench, man. I've smelled skunks. I've smelled some pretty nasty roadkill, you know, out here. I've just, uh, there, that's a distinct smell. And actually, since my deployment, I've smelled dead people. <laughs> and then I've also smelled the burning of trash and of, uh, you know, overseas when we're out in the middle of nowhere out in these little fobs and check, you know, we call it RRPs, radio relay points, and we'd have to burn, you know, our, our own crap twice a day. And, you know, the you think about things like Jarhead where he's stirring the, the pot as it's burning. Yeah. I mean, I've even smelled that smell. I tell you right now, there's no smell. I, I've smelled many smells, bad smells in my life, but there's none like well, I smelled that night. Okay. Yeah, I got you. So uh, we're going to take our final break of the show. And when we come back, we'll jump right back into things with Seth. Stay with us, everybody.
describe some very common things that people describe in Bigfoot encounters. Uh, when it comes to the red eyes, uh, could you tell how far apart the eyes were from each other? Um, good question. I never really thought about it. Um, I mean, they were, they were far apart. If I had to guess in um, gauging distance, I would say probably somewhere around like six inches. Okay. I mean, that, that would be uh, clearly large, <laughs> yeah. to say the least. Uh, now, all right, so you got red eyes, you got the stink. You know, I listen to a lot of different cryptid encounters and paranormal stuff. And, you know, there's things that, that cross over, you know, to different subjects. And I know a lot of times people like keep containing things like, oh, dog man is this and Bigfoot's that and ghosts are this and let's not cross the lines. But I mean, just a simple idea. Where else do you hear about red eyes? You hear about red eyes right. when people see demons. Uh, where, mm-hmm. where do you hear about the stench? Well, you hear about the stench, you know, when it comes to uh, Dogman sometimes. Uh, and so what, where do you hear about the seclusion where they, they want to let you know they're there without you actually seeing them? Well, that's also Dogman as well. Now, uh, granted, a lot of dogman encounters are in your face, aggressive and scary as heck. But mm-hmm. there, there have been, you know, these similarities, and uh, you know, it just makes me wonder sometimes. I, I talk to, you know, Wes, Wes Germer about this kind of stuff a lot, and you know, it, it just makes you wonder: it, Are we missing something? Is there relatable uh, things on all ends of the perspe- perspective here that kind of tie into each other? Um, I, I don't know, but it, it's very interesting, especially like when you say about the red eyes and stuff, because I personally have seen, uh, it, they weren't red eyes. They were like more orangey, uh, yellow looking eyes, uh, myself looking at me through a window. And, uh, it scared the, it scared everything out of me. Like I, I was so scared. I was scared to death when I saw that. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and that, that whole night was a very, um, paranormal, haunting night for me and so it's just I, I find it very interesting when you saw the red light or not red lights when you saw the red eyes was do you think it was just something to do with uh your light hitting the eyes and creating a red color or do you think that their eyes actually uh project a red color i don't know i've i've heard birth uh birth <laughs> both theories i'm, I'm a fan of uh chronicles too um but I think in that case, it because they didn't. I didn't see them until the light hit them, and so I think in that case, it may have just been the light hitting it. Because I mean, like I say, it was a weak, weak light. Um, but you know, it's like I don't know. I've, there's I've seen enough weird things in my lifetime that I mean it. It's one of those, I've learned to just stay open to the possibilities and that to not rule out something just because, yeah, I can't really wrap my mind around it. Yeah, absolutely. Does that agree. make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the moment you start thinking in the box, you exclude any other things that might pop up that are outside of your typical line of thought. And so it, you you got to keep your mind open. Uh, it reminds me of a time 
probably I, I would say probably about a year and a half, two years ago. It was before the show started, and I was still feeling my way around the whole Bigfoot topic. And I had somebody contact me saying that they had Bigfoot activity on their property. They uh, sent me pictures of prints they found there on their lawn, and she had said that this thing will come up to the window and look in the window at her, and the eyes are glowing. And she also told me the eyes project light and uh she sent me video of the the, of the uh the eye shine the eye glow in the window and and you could see whatever it was that and i think from the video there was only one light so i don't know if it was like its head was turned sideways or what but uh you could see this one light moving around through the window like you could see it through the the blinds like like the blinds were, I think the blinds were closed, and you could still see this thing or something. I can't remember exactly, um, but she did say that the 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 lights project or the eyes projected light, and then I wasn't prepared to handle something like that. I was like, well, that's impossible because Bigfoot is just an animal that we haven't discovered yet, and but mm-hmm. now I, I I approach things a little bit more open mindedly, and I I try to at least, and you know. I'm not sure if we know what Bigfoot is totally, you know, obviously we don't know what Bigfoot is, but like, I, I mean, there, people share stories where it seems so animal, you know, it just seems like an animal. And then other people share stories where it doesn't seem like an animal at all. And it just makes me wonder, man, like, what are we really dealing with here? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm there with you. Uh, especially when people talk to, you know, you hear about the, or people talk about like the little people or gnomes, you know, and just like, you know, but also, you know, you look back and there's legends of, uh, I mean, like our old, the old fairy tales. I mean, think about those, is it the, the goblin or whatever it lives underneath the, uh, the, the bridge and eats the goats. I mean, I'm using that as an example. Right. Where, where did those come from? I mean, you know, surely, yeah. I mean, maybe people saw something. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, some of these legends and stuff, you got to think they come from somewhere. I mean, it's there, there's got to be truth in some, in some of these legends, you know, like the fairies and all that stuff. It's just there's so much going on. I mean, I, the more I'm in this, the more I'm like, there's so much going on, and we don't even know 1% of it. I mean, really, there's there, it's crazy. We're living in a crazy world. What can I say? It, it really is. It, it's it's not a, the normal that you know we've been taught to think the world is. It's very, very different from that. So, uh, oh yeah, you know. Speaking of, speaking of you know that kind of stuff and the oddities, dude. Like you've had a haunted warehouse experience, and you've had this what we'll call a church appear right before you. You've had this Bigfoot experiences, you know, like that's a lot of stuff all tied up into one person. Right. And then you have the UFO experience. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, There's I hear people and I just heard this in a recent interview, you know, the idea of certain other certain people having more activity in their life than other people. And a similarity is that they all have a common blood type and i think it was rh positive or rh negative uh i know it's a random stupid weird question and you may not even know do you know what blood type you are 
Yeah, uh, I've got to know uh, for for the military. Oh I'm, yeah, that's I'm true. Positive. What are you? So, oh, positive. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, this this con that that question actually came up in beer camp this year because the year before at deer camp is when like a whole pack of, of Bigfoots were around. Um, and that's a whole nother story. But so this year, you know, my brother and I were sitting around the camp with my niece and, uh, tried some whoops and of course, um, no Bigfoots came, but we were talking about, and I, I, you know, especially talking with my niece and was talking about, some of the strange things that I've experienced. And my brother asked, I said, why, why you? And, you know, some of it being, um, you know, the church was right in front of me and the red eyes that was right in front of me. Um, but, um, since I joined the military and especially since I've deployed, anybody that's deployed will understand you become aware of, or you try to stay vigilant about what's around you about, uh, seeing, you know, kind of paying attention to stuff out of the corner of your eyes, um, and looking for little things, um, you know, driving overseas and we drive in convoys. It's the little telltales that would potentially, you know, uh, kind of set off your, your spider senses or whatever people want to call it that there's an ambush or something up ahead. Um, and it's something as random as a, a rag being tied around, uh, you know, like say, cause in Iraq there's, we took down the guardrails cause they were hiding, uh, IEDs on them, but there's still guardrail posts out there and be driving down the road and you would see like a, a rag tied on a, on a, a post. And it was just, it's almost like a marker. And most people would see something like that and go go on their way, but I, it's like I've still got still got that. Uh, I still pay attention, and so I think um, you know why I notice stuff or I'm a lot more vigilant now, and is because you know I'm not I'm not focused on the cell phone in front of me, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm paying attention to what's going on around me. And if something changes, I try to, I try to pay attention. Yeah, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. The fact that you're a little bit more aware than the average person, just because of your training. I mean, you're in a high intensity situation 24 seven. It's kind of hard to shake that once you've been totally uh, engulfed in that for any period of time, I'm sure. Uh, So why don't we talk about this UFO experience that you had? Tell us what happened. Okay. Um, the basically, uh, you know, wasn't anything dramatic. It wasn't anything. Um, what it was, you know, you go outside and you see satellites in the sky. You know, I mean, just real clear. Yeah, I mean, people say that say that they see satellites. I can never pick it out. So, I mean, I, I've heard of that though. <laughs> right. Well. Um, especially if you come out in the country and it's not as much ambient light, you know, it's, it's easier to spot. And, um, sure. it's a move, you know, just kind of said, and I saw what, you know, trek along what I thought was a satellite. And I still, even now, if I see them, I'll stop and look at them because 
I think it's kind of cool. I get to see a satellite, you know, even though it looks like a little dot, you know, still. And so I was watching it, and uh, and right as it kind of got above me, it um, stopped going from a steady straight line to like it went into a circle. Like it, it basically, I mean, it just went round, went in a circle, and then it disappeared. And then it was like, wow, that's no aircraft. I mean, as fast as it moved, because, I mean, it picked up speed to do it, and it disappeared. And I was like, there's no aircraft that I know of that would do that. And so, uh, it's just, you know, mind-boggling, went and... Yeah, I told my parents, like, you're not going to believe what I just saw. And my dad's like, oh, it's probably some military aircraft. They fly over here all the time. Like, I don't think that was a military aircraft, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, it's it's easy to kind of brush it off as something, you're, you know, the first thing that pops in your mind. But when you really think about what you saw and stuff, I mean, you start thinking that – it's not natural. I mean, maybe it was a military aircraft. We just don't know that they have that certain technology to do certain things. And, you know, at one time, the nuclear bomb was a surprise to everybody. You know what I mean? Like, at one time, mm-hmm. that, that, that was, like, unheard of. We couldn't, we couldn't even fathom something like that. And now it's just old hat, you know? Uh, so, you know, maybe it's possible. But also, maybe it's something else totally, you know? Uh, what do you think... You know, you have like obviously UFO. The the definition in itself is unidentified flying objects. So, uh, you know, outside of that, when it comes to the idea of people saying that you know this is extraterrestrial, what what are your thoughts on that kind of stuff? Do you do you think that there's extraterrestrial crafts, or do you think this is more uh, um, more of a, like a top secret kind of thing? Well, it's like I'm open to both. One, um, you know, I look at the universe. And it would not surprise me at all if God created, I mean, different, you know, different worlds, different beings and, you know, out there, it it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But, um, give an example. There's some, um, I'm, I'm a chimney sweep inspector and I went out to a job and was doing some work on this, this couple and they lived out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, like, I kid you not, out in the middle of nowhere. And, I mean, nice ranch house that they had built up on a hill surrounded by miles of empty pasture land. And these are very down-to-earth, very um, old-fashioned, God-fearing people. But old-fashioned in the, the, the... the gentleman, he's like 60, 65, and he thought that um, he thought I was um, doing him wrong on a deal. And he was like, I'm not afraid to throw down with young buck. I said, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I explained, you know, I was like, all right, see, you're, you're, I'm not screwing you. And so once I laid out the facts, he was like, okay. And so. I mean, and then, then they fed me. I mean, she was like, fed me meatloaf at dinner. I mean, nice. it was just, but they, they told me, they said, you're not going to believe this. So they said that one night, uh, three, um, basically three bright lights, but they were in the shape of a triangle came down and landed in their pasture. 
and they saw it. They I think they had their adult kids that were there. They saw it and like stood and watched it. So it landed in the pasture and it was down there for like 10 seconds or something. And then it took off. These lights stayed in formation and flew off. And I remember hearing or uh, hearing and reading in the paper about other people saw that. Well, he told me he went down there the next day to the pasture and there was, uh, he calls them like, like a half circle, uh, indentions in the ground where the ground was missing. And he said, it almost looks like they came down, they took soil samples and then they were gone. But I mean, these are, these are people, they weren't, they didn't joke, they're very old fashioned, very God fearing. And I believe them absolutely believe that that's what they saw. And I'm pretty sure that if I had asked him to, uh, he would have probably taken me down there and showed me the holes. But, you know, I was there to finish up the job and, you know, kind of get on to that other, other clients I had to take care of that day. Wow. So, I mean, uh, when, it, when it comes to this stuff, I mean, people are experiencing stuff. And I don't think... I think most people, when they share their experiences, most people aren't, you know, so narcissistic that they got to make up an extravagant story just to get some, uh, some stranger's attention. You know what I mean? Like, like that's just not really in the, in the ballpark for most people. Uh, so what they described to you, I mean, you would have no reason to doubt them. Uh, the fact that it happened to them and uh, did you say this was like, kind of like out in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, it was in the middle of nowhere. Okay. So, I mean, how do I say this? I mean, do you think that what they experienced was extraterrestrial or do you think that something, what they experienced was more, you know, governmental or, or just mental? <laughs> I know it's not yeah. mental, but you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Honestly, I, I would think extraterrestrial because since then, especially when it comes to like the lights and the formations, I've seen, you know, I got, I've gone online and looked, I've seen a video of this type of, you know, the lights and triangle thing, flying a formation outside an airline, an airliner. And, um, you know, I've seen videos of the lights, you know, staying in formation. It was it the Phoenix lights. And I read, it's funny because people, the explanation, oh, that was, that was flares from a formation of jets. And I've been overseas. I've seen them deposit their flares. I know the flares that they're talking about. And the flares don't do that. And so it's just, in those cases, I'm all for extraterrestrial. And to be honest, you know, I wouldn't blame the government for not, you know, I mean, I think... That, like I said, I'm open to both. I'm fully open to there's new, new technology out there that's constantly being tested. Uh, yeah, so some things being seen, probably new technology, but in a lot of these cases, like I said, especially this couple, you know, I think I think extraterrestrial. And because what we go we go to the moon, or we've gone to the moon, we send stuff to Mars. Uh, you know, what, what, what's the big thing? Soil samples. You know, so why wouldn't there, if there's another race of aliens out there or what we perceive as aliens, you know, 
you know, and they come here, whether it's sending machines or they actually show up, you know, why wouldn't they get samples, <laughs> you know, soil samples and samples of vegetation? That's what we would do. You know, that's a good point. I mean, so, you're absolutely right on that. I mean, what are we trying to do? We're trying to go to Mars and bring back samples, right? I mean, it's exactly what we're trying right. to do. And so, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, to take samples would be, I think, just a natural scientific idea to to do. Um, it's very fascinating, man. That, that's a very fascinating story. And, and even, you know, your story too, it's just like, there's, there's things that people see in the sky and, and we don't know what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of on the same line as you though. I mean, I, I don't, I don't object to the idea of there being extraterrestrials and at the same time. I think sometimes what people are experiencing are more maybe governmental, uh, you know, spacecraft or not spacecraft, but aircraft that just, really isn't on the radar yet, you know? So, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not opposed to them keeping that secret either. I mean, I don't think we need to know everything, you know, cause you know, sometimes things are best left unsaid, you know, cause if, if we know everything that the government has, then so do our enemies. So <laughs> and oh, it yeah. kind of defeats the purpose. So, but, uh, yeah, man, listen, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing these experiences. Uh, when it comes to all this different stuff that you've experienced, is there any kind of like, it's hard to summarize everything into one cohesive uh, sentence or idea here, but with everything that you've experienced, has there ever been any kind of conclusions that you've come to, like enlightening conclusions with all the stuff that you've experienced uh, that makes you just kind of like look at life a different way after you've experienced all this stuff and you look back at it? Well, I know that no matter what, you know, you know with, with my faith that, that God's in control. You know, it's like this conclusion I've come to, I'll never get all the answers. And a lot of times when I stumble or come to a conclusion, all that does is lead me to more questions, which in case, in some cases is fun, but sometimes it's just absolutely frustrating, you know? And so, you know, when during my last tour, um, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. We we got a, a really um, crappy mission. We had to drive uh, some vehicles from Balad to uh, I'm sorry, from Q West to Balad. It's about like about five six hour drive, and um, but the equipment was in really really bad shape. We did what we could. The whole bailing wire, duct tape. I mean just. But, you know, extra fluids, just, all right, we're going to we'll make a run. we got to do this at night. And it's through an area that, you know, it was just kind of a nerve-wracking mission. Um, so I we promise to keep it cliff notes. Um, I was nervous about the details of the mission, and uh, we rolled out the gate, and I was praying. I knew just pray, and I would scan the road in front of me uh, from left to right, and look down at my gauges and then right to left um, across my gauges. Because when the gauges work, <laughs> keywords, when they're working good, that's your first indication that you're having trouble with your vehicle. And, um, I mean, it was just doing it. I mean, it's just a pattern, routine. And about two hours in this convoy, I looked up, and there in the truck, the truck in front of me, there was a 
I saw two angels pushing this truck. And I suddenly had a peace. Now, yeah, I kind of rubbed my eyes and uh, kind of blinked and like, all right, I'm, I'm not, not seeing anything. I watched them for like, I don't know, half a minute. I mean, I could see them. They're just pushing this truck in front of me. And they, before they came up on the truck, they had to be 12 feet tall pushing this truck. And I suddenly, I mean, I, I had a piece. I'm like, all right, God's got this, <laughs> you know? And after about half a minute watching and pinched myself a couple of times, I glanced down at my gauges and then glanced back up and they're gone. But I was okay. And um, none of the equipment broke down, which I'm telling you, miracle. But after the mission, I, I went up to those guys and I said, hey, tell me about your truck. And they said, how do you know about our truck? I said, you wouldn't believe me. Just tell me about your truck. And they said, you know, we we drove, it drove fine. You know, we, we stopped outside the the gate, which any any veteran knows there's to get on base. You don't just drive on base. There's a series of stops. But they, you know, stopped, you know, got checked in, stopped, cleared weapons, and drove it to where we had to party. They said literally it, they pulled it up into the start, into the place where they're supposed to park it, and the engine just died. And, uh, like they tried to restart it and it wouldn't restart. And I kept tabs on the truck. Maintenance had to work on that truck two days straight before that truck could even turn over. And so with that, which I had faith in God before that, but I mean, it's just like, no matter, I mean, I'm not going to have answers for what all is going on in this world. And like I said, in some cases it's going to be fun trying to find answers. Um, with some of my, um, you know, there's some things I don't strive to find answers for, really. But um, I just know that, that God's got me. I'm in his hands. That he's, no matter what happens in this crazy world, and that he's got it. And so, that, I mean, that's just, that's where my faith is at. And, you know, maybe one, you know, one day when I die, I... Yeah, I'll be like, you know, if if I deem it important enough once, you know, I'm on the other side, I'll ask him, hey, can you try to explain this to me? You know, you know, show, yeah. show me how you got laid out. So, Well, I mean, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from, uh, but we're not done now because you just said you saw angels. So I have to ask you, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, I like, I, I'm, you're the first person that I have talked to that said they have seen angels. Now uh, I've heard people say, actually, I take that back. A, a guy in college said he saw angels, but I don't remember ever asking him what he saw. Uh, my grandfather said that people told him that angels were guarding him when he was younger, but uh, let's just dive yeah. into this for just a couple minutes here you okay. see okay, I, I got all the time for you okay. no, don't worry. You, you see two angels pushing this vehicle and you said mm-hmm. that they are around 12 feet tall which right there like uh reminded me of my grandfather's story of when he said that uh these people when they came down this driveway they would see these huge angels uh guarding their camp 
And so, like, the idea is, you know, it's a very common thing that these things, that these angels can be huge, but at the same time, they can be human size as well, because in the ball, in the Bible, Paul says to be very hospitable because you never know when you're going to be in the presence of angels. So, I mean, we know that angels could look just like humans. Now, you said you saw angels. Is that because they looked like your like the idea of an angel, which is like wings and, and like Garmin and stuff? Or did they look like just 12 foot tall human beings pushing a, a, a vehicle? I'd say 12 foot tall human beings. I mean, they were from like the neckline down. It was, it was white. Um, but I didn't see wings on them. Um, I mean, I could tell, and it's like the, the motion, I mean, you could tell they were like just pushing, I mean, this truck, but, uh, one had, um, I mean, they had hair. One had like, a kind of a, a, uh, I, I call it like a dirty blonde type hair. Um, the other one had kind of a darker hair, but I mean, God, they were freaking huge. So, but yeah, I mean, they were just steadily pushing. And I mean, I got, I said, I wasn't, a, wasn't, I mean, wasn't dri- I was driving the truck. I mean, it was very caffeinated. <laughs> and then also the kind of the, the drilling, the area we're driving through there was, or that route, there was two groups that were operating at that time. And they, they kind of specialized in hitting convoys at night. And so, I mean, it was just kind of, you know, nerve wracking <laughs> driving yeah. through that area at night. And it was just, I mean, I got, my, I said about, about the height on the truck, they're about 12 feet tall. I mean, that's, I can tell you. Okay. So, well, I mean, I mean, when you say that they were white from the head down, are you talking like, it was like a white silhouette, like there's no detail clothing or anything like that, or was it like white clothing? It would, I would have to say probably like a white clothing type. Um, like it, it wasn't like a silhouette. I mean, it almost looked like a garment or a, you know, clothing. almost like uh, we joke around. Uh, they're they're freaking comfortable. I ain't gonna lie, I've got one Over, overseas. They call them man dresses. You, you, you ever seen <laughs> my, you know, men wearing the traditional, but the solid, yeah. you know, outfit. Yeah. I mean, it's something solid and, and white like that. But, you know, it wasn't, I mean, they were, they were broad, talk about broad shouldered. I mean, they're, they're, they're big. Yeah. I, I can imagine. I, I really, I can imagine. I, uh, wow. So, let me ask you, I mean, you see these two angels pushing this vehicle. You know, you're not the only one there. It's not like you were alone. And, I mean, I, I imagine nobody else saw it or else you would have said it. Why you? Why, why do you think you had the ability to see these angels? Do you think that it was something that they allowed you to see? Or do you think it's something that, like, you were, uh, for lack of better terms, prepared or ready to see? I think maybe it was both. Um, you know, there, there's the old saying, there's no atheist in a foxhole. <laughs> you know, which I didn't go over an atheist. Yeah. But literally, I mean, literally miracle after miracle. I mean, people stuff, people would shrug off. But you would have, um, uh, short example, My I called my dad and uh, he said, hey, what happened Tuesday at 2 a.m.? 
and of course it became a math equation. I had to stop and think about the time zones. And I said, why? He says, God woke me and your mother up and told us to pray. And so we prayed. What happened? He didn't know, it, which I told him, I was like, oh, it's a mortar attack. And he didn't know it, but we we're on a small outpost. There was a coordinated attack on the post. They detonate, they blew up a fuel truck front gate, a rocketed the back gate, and uh, dropped mortars on this compound. And it wasn't big compound. I mean, it was very coordinated. But when they blew up the fuel truck, um, it was a tanker full of fuel, right? I mean, think 18-wheeler, a fuel tanker, right? Fuel. Wow. And the cab of the truck was just gone. But there wasn't a scratch on that, that fuel tanker. Had that gone, I wouldn't be talking to you today. I mean, it probably wiped out the the compound we were in, probably half the village, you know? And... I mean, with the more attack, everything happened. Nobody, including me, got a scratch on us. I mean, there is there is an atheist in my. I mean, going in, he was very much an atheist, and we were walking to the motor pool, and he said, "He goes, guys, you know, I'm a, I'm an atheist." He says, "You know that?" He says, "But I'm not an atheist anymore." He says, "Well, as many times as we've." been attacked and stuff has happened and we've walked away without a scratch when we shouldn't have walked away at all. He says, I know there's a God. There's something watching over us. And so, I mean, with that, it's just, I think that, I mean, that was where I was at, which, I mean, I was, I mean, I just, I knew there was a God that night and, you know, and just praying, I think, I think just calm me down. I was allowed to see those angels. But, you know, it's one of those things where I didn't think about it so much then, but afterwards, there's that story in the Bible, and I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, Elisha. It wasn't Elijah. I think it was Elisha. When the the, uh, army surrounded the town, the little city that he was in, in the Old Testament, and his servant came out, I mean, and saw the army around him and, you know, freaked out. Who wouldn't? You know, like, we're going to die, you know. And uh, he said, you know, hey, don't worry. Those that are with us are greater than those that are against us. And the servant, the the servant said, uh, you know, or Elisha said, uh, sorry, my phone kind of beeped. I had to make sure. The... Elisha t- said, hey, God, you know, God opened his eyes. And when the servant's eyes were open and he saw an army of fire, I think is the description, surrounding that army. And so I think God knew all it took was for me to see two angels. Because, I mean, I was at peace after that. I was fine, relaxed. But, I mean, I think it was just. God sent, God sent, you know, hey, I'm going to open your eyes and you're going to see these two guys, these two angels in front of you. You know, yeah. knew that I didn't need to see any more angels, but, you know, because, good God, I think with just those two angels, you know, we could have been attacked. If those two angels are on duty, we're going to be fine. Yeah, no, man, you bringing up that Elisha story, I mean, that... <laughs> I mean, it really, it makes, it makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. Uh, 
I, I think it's fascinating. I think that uh, the fact that you saw Angels and you didn't even think to put it in my email, I, <laughs> I, I scratch my head and I'm like, how? Because like I'm telling you, man, like like that stuff is. I find it so fascinating that people do see angels and uh, you know, why wouldn't they? I mean, how many times we hear people say that they've seen demons, you know, and they've had oppression from demons and all that stuff. Well, if if that's real, then sure. Why why wouldn't, you know, the opposite be real as well and, and happening. So I I just think it's fascinating that you were able to share that, man. I really appreciate that. So, uh, well, I'll tell you what, Seth, man, I really appreciate you coming on here tonight and just chatting with me and stuff. I don't want to hold you any longer, uh, but it was just, it was, I, I can i can only say it was a real pleasure talking to you, so I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I mean, I enjoy it, hopefully, especially on the angelic side, you know, to realize that, you know, yeah, there's stuff we don't see, but like I said, from, from my faith and for those that, that believe in God know Maybe maybe they'll hear and just kind of take comfort and strength from that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I really appreciate it, and I will talk to you later. If you have any other you know things that happen, just get a hold of me. You got my email. Okay, will do. All right, brother. Take care. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. I absolutely love talking to Seth and hearing some of the stories he had, especially that disappearing church. Absolutely fascinating. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'll see you right here next Saturday at 6 p.m. on The Confessionals. Take care, everybody.